This is day three of our Bible in a Year plan. And today we're going to be going through Genesis 11 through 15. Heavenly Father, thank you for taking us this far. And as the, our journey continues, that you would just be with us to expose your truth to us in your word and to reveal the promises and the hope that is in it. Please glorify yourself through the reading of this word, and please allow your Holy Spirit to teach us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come. Let us make bricks, and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city, and a tower whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city, and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language, and this is what they begin to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. These are the records of the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old and became the father of Arpachshad two years after the flood. And Shem lived 500 years after he became the father of Arpachshad, and he had other sons and daughters. Arpachshad lived 35 years and became the father of Shelah. And Arpachshad lived 403 years after he became the father of Shelah, and he had other sons and daughters. Shelah lived thirty years and became the father of Eber. And Shelah lived four hundred and three years after he became the father of Eber, and he had other sons and daughters. Eber lived thirty-four years and became the father of Peleg. And Eber lived four hundred and thirty years after he became the father of Peleg, and he had other sons and daughters. Peleg lived thirty years and became the father of Ru. And Peleg lived two hundred and nine years after he became the father of Ru, and he had other sons and daughters. Ru lived thirty-two years and became the father of Sarug. And Ru lived two hundred and seven years after he became the father of Sarug, and he had other sons and daughters. 
Sarug lived 30 years and became the father of Nahor. And Sarug lived 200 years after he became the father of Nahor, and he had other sons and daughters. Nahor lived 29 years and became the father of Terah. And Nahor lived 119 years after he became the father of Terah, and he had other sons and daughters. Terah lived 70 years and became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and your name will be great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth, as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Now Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west, and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. 
It came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. It came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore he treated Abram well for her sake, and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife and all that belonged to him, and Lot with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. He went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there formerly. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, and the land could not sustain them while dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling there in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right. And if to the right, then I will go to the left. <clears throat> Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all of the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. 
Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly, and sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes, and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. And it came about in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Chedolomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shanab, king of Adma, and Shemeber, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is, Zoar. All these came as allies to the valley of Sidim, that is, the Salt Sea. Twelve years they had served Chedolomer, but the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Chedolomer and the kings that were with him came and defeated the Rephaim in Ashtaroth Karnaim, and the Zuzim in Ham, and the Emim in Sheva Kariathim, and the Horites in their Mount Seir, as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to Enmishpat, that is Kadesh, and conquered all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites, who lived in Hazazan Tamar. And the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is, Zoar, came out, and they arrayed for battle against them in the valley of Sidim, against Chedolomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of Goim, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of tar pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, and they fell into them. But those who survived fled to the hill country. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. They also took Lot, Abram's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. Then a fugitive came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Anur, and these were allies with Abram. 
When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he let out his trained men, born in his house, 318, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them, and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods, and also brought back his relative Lot with his possessions, and also the women and the people. Then after his return from the defeat of Chedolomer, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shiva, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He gave him a tenth of all. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give the people to me, and take the goods for yourself. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours. For fear you would say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Anur, Eshkol, and Mamre, let them take their share. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, since you have given me no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess it. He said, O oh, Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, and a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. 
Then he brought all these to him, and cut them in two, and laid each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then, in the fourth generation, they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. It came about when the sun had set, that it was very dark. And behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch, which passed between those pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land, from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite and the Kenizzite and the Kadmonite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Rephaim and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Girgashite and the Jebusite. All right. Excellent reading today. So there's a lot to gather from here, but to just kind of encapsulate some of the interesting things that happened here. So beginning with the Tower of Babel, first off, why do you think God did what he did? Why did God choose to confuse the language of these people? Did they do anything wrong? Yes, they did. And what did they do wrong? Well, um, when they came out of the ark, the one command in chapter 9 that God gave to Noah and his sons was in verse 7. Just the same kind of command that was given to Adam and Eve out in the garden. Be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. So, he wanted these people to grow in number and spread across the face of the earth. But instead, this particular group wanted to band together in pride and in defiance to God's command and build a city that reached heaven. And again, if from the last talk we had, this was led by, it's not mentioned here you know, specifically, but you can read in chapter 10, that Nimrod was the leader of this initiative because it said that he was the one, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. So Nimrod was the one that put all this into motion. Now, we didn't talk about this at the, in the first day, but 
A very interesting verse is here in verse 7 of chapter 11. It says where, where God comes down and looks at the city. He says, come, let us go down. And that language is very interesting. Because just like in Genesis 1.1, the Hebrew word for God there is Elohim. And that word is plural. So, from the very beginning, even though in the English it doesn't really do it justice, the concept of the Trinity, while the word Trinity is never used in the Bible, the understanding that God was one, but he was also more than one at the same time, was very understood by the Jewish people. So, they understood that there were multiple persons of God. And that's why this language, let us go down, God is speaking to himself, he's speaking to Father, Son, Holy Spirit, should not be a surprise to anyone. Because from the very beginning, God declared himself to be plural in that respect. So, then we have it happen where Babel um, you know, it was everyone got spread out, and the word Babel itself is a Hebrew verb for confusion. So, makes sense. Now, he it says here in verse 8 that the Lord scattered them abroad. Now, whether or not he just encouraged them over time to move a particular direction, or if he instantly teleported people, that's also been up for debate, but it's not very clear as to what happened here. But now we get to Abram. Very interesting fellow. So, he was in the land of Ur, which is over by Babylon. It's, you know, what we consider Babylon today it was about south, a little south of Babylon. And he traveled all the way up um, hundreds of miles to this land that God promised him. And he listened and he obeyed. He believed God. And that's why it says later that it was credited to him as righteousness. There was no law yet. Jesus Christ had not come. But what made him a believer in God was his faith. His faith caused him to be righteous. And so we are capable of the same thing ourselves. Um, now, by this time, you know, we see that um, Abram was not a young man. He was probably, it says here in um, chapter 12 that Abram was 75 years old. Now, we don't know how old Sarai was, but we can assume that she's at least 50, you know, youngest, maybe 50. And so in some way, they are relatives, they're cousins in some way. So that's why whenever he goes down to Egypt, he's not really lying when he says that, you know, she's my sister. It's, it's deceptive, no doubt, and it's a half-truth. A convenience, but 
he's not really wrong either. He's partly, she's partly is his sister. And very interesting that she was a middle, what we would consider, consider middle age. And, um, she was that beautiful, you know, that's very interesting. So she was likely still in her prime, but even later in life, you know, they didn't age as fast as we do today. So they stayed in their prime longer, it seems. So good for them. So Abram gets in trouble with Pharaoh and leaves them. And then we have the episode with um, Abram and Lot. Lot gets a little greedy and he chooses the best land for himself and they split ways. He ends up getting his just desserts by being taken captive during this war of kings. But you can imagine just how much stuff these people have. I mean, we go into the information here where Abram's going to go bail out Lot and go fight with these kings. And he and Abram himself has his own little army, 318 men. I mean, he must have a compound. He, I mean, it's hard to imagine how big these tents were and um, how rich this man was. But he was extremely wealthy. The Bible says it very clearly. He's very rich. But just having your own little private military is pretty cool. And then we come to Melchizedek. Which, if you read the book of Hebrews is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. He himself may not have been a manifestation of Christ, but he was a Christ-like figure who was the um, the priest of the God Most High. And we don't know where he came from. All we know is that he is a king and a priest. And from a place called Salem, which is very close to Jerusalem today. And and then you see what Abram did, which established it for the rest of the future uh, people, including us, where he gave him a tenth of everything that he had. Ten percent, a tithe. So it is biblical to tithe. Um, there are some that really fight this one. But the reality is, is if you love the Lord, why would you fight it? I mean, if we understand that resources and money don't matter to God and that he doesn't need our money, but it should be a, an offering of love and obedience, then God can certainly multiply our resources as he, if he chooses to. So if we're worried about not making our budgets and not having as much spending money if we tithe, then we're going about it the wrong way. And then finally, you see a beautiful covenant being made with Abram, a permanent covenant, one that is still in effect today, where the land of Israel it belongs to the people of God, belongs to the people of Israel. And Abram 
is the father of the Jewish people, but he is also the father of the the Arab people, which we'll find out next time when he has a child with Hagar and has a son named Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of all the Arab people. And this mistake of his will continue to haunt humankind even today is the Jewish people and the Arabs are not in good standing with each other. But you also see here a very detailed prophecy of what's going to happen when Jacob and Joseph bring their whole family down to Egypt later at the end of Genesis, in which they will be in Egypt for 400 years. And they will be uh, coming out of there with many possessions, and they will be enslaved and oppressed. So it makes you wonder if they remembered this in their tradition. Because at this time, there wasn't a lot of written tradition. Most everything that was shared in history and heritage and it was all oral. A lot of this stuff was oral tradition. Stories passed down from generation to generation. And if you want something else to blow your mind, if you follow this genealogy, Shem is likely still alive at this time somewhere. He's an old man, but he's alive somewhere. So if you track the genealogy and how long Shem lived, and you see every child after his started living less and less and less, it kind of puts that canopy theory back on the table as to, hmm, maybe there is something to that. But he lived a very long life, and he would have been around at this time when Abram was going through all this stuff. Very interesting when you when you see it like that. It, you don't really see these details unless you just kind of step back and zoom out a little bit on the Bible. But the last thing I'll say is when God makes a covenant, he is faithful to that covenant. We should be very careful not to make covenants with God because we are not faithful. He is but we are not. That's why it says later in the New Testament that we do not swear at all. It is better not to swear at all because then we have to pay what we vow. And I don't think we can. Sometimes we can, but sometimes we promise really big things to God and we are not able to keep them. So it is better not to vow anything to the Lord, especially if we are not guaranteeing we can keep it. But that's all I have for today. I hope you enjoyed this, and I will see you tomorrow. God bless.